it's Sunday morning. Jesus' body is missing and some crazy supernatural beings are telling you that Jesus is alive. What else would you do but run away and hide? And that's how Mark's gospel originally ended. Why? Welcome Bible nerds. I'm David Jesse. I believe that understanding the Bible in its historic, geographic, religious, and cultural context helps us see Jesus more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly day by day. Mark's gospel ends really abruptly. In fact, it's so sudden that somebody decided to add to the ending just to help it make more sense. Welcome to Bible Nerds Daily. Thanks for listening. Uh, Every weekday, I share with you a verse of the day that's designed to help you become a better follower of Christ. And if you're encouraged and you're challenged by this podcast, please share it with your friends and your family, and then follow the show on your favorite podcast app. We wouldn't want you to miss a single episode. We'll never know who added to Mark's gospel, but can we figure out why? verse we're looking at today is Mark chapter 16, verse 8. Then they went out and ran from the tomb, for terror and bewilderment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That's not how the story is supposed to end. It's uncomfortable. It isn't a victorious celebration of life over death. It's weak. It's uncertain. Is Jesus really alive? What will happen to Peter and the other disciples? How does the story end? And that is exactly what Mark is going for. So our story begins with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome going to the tomb. When they arrive, of course, they're going to anoint Jesus' body with burial spices. This wasn't something that was able to be done at the end of the crucifixion because that was the moment that the Passover was beginning. It's a high Sabbath. They weren't able to purchase the 40 pounds worth of spices and prepare them for the burial. And so after Sabbath, um, definitely a high Sabbath, maybe the weekly Sabbath, these three women go to the tomb. When they get there, the stone is rolled away. And there's these angels that are sitting there uh, at at the tomb and they're like, don't be afraid, which is the first thing that angels say to every single person they encounter in scripture. The first things they have to say is, do not be afraid. And then they explain, Jesus isn't here. He's risen. Go to Peter and the other disciples and let them know that he's waiting for them in the Galilee. 
And then what we have here is these three women absolutely horrified because this doesn't make sense. They haven't had a chance to sit with all of the teachings from Jesus where he talked about resurrection and actually applied them literally instead of figuratively. And so they're faced with this overwhelming, probably conflict, this war within them between elation and fear. That's why I think that Mark's gospel, that verse eight says that they were terrified and bewildered by it. They don't know what to do. So we do know this, Mark's gospel absolutely ended at verse eight. Every single manuscript that includes verses nine through 20 has very obvious notations that these verses were added on to finish the story. Some of the church fathers, Eusebius and Jerome, they write about this just a couple of hundred years at most following when the gospel of Mark was written. It's written in a very different style. Verses 9 through 20 feel completely different than the first 16 chapters and eight verses of Mark's gospel. There are notations on most of the ancient manuscripts saying that this was added later. And it feels a lot more like Luke's ending to his gospel than it does to Mark's. So scholars over the centuries have come up with three different theories for what is going on here in verses 9 through 20. The first is the incomplete theory. Uh, It basically says that Mark actually never got the chance to finish writing his gospel, that something happened. He could have died or whoever wrote the gospel of Mark, even if it isn't uh, Mark, which there's debate there. Whoever it was that wrote this these verses died after verse eight and never got a chance to finish the remaining, what, 11 or 12 verses of it. But almost no serious scholars today hold to this opinion uh, any longer. It just doesn't make sense. The second theory is called the lost ending theory. Uh, This theory supposes that the earliest version of Mark's gospel was damaged and verses 9 through 20 were actually lost. This isn't very probable because the Gospel of Mark was almost certainly written on a scroll and not in a codex, a codex being a collection of loose papers. And the theory is that that last page uh, has been lost to time and history. Again, not very likely Uh, It doesn't seem to fit for all of the reasons that we talked about before. It just doesn't feel like Mark's gospel. So the idea of a completely different page that feels differently being lost still doesn't solve the problem. But today, most scholars have landed and agree on what is known as the open-ended theory. Mark's ending was very intentional. First of all, Mark's readers know what happens after this moment in verse 8. They're 
as we saw in the previous two episodes of this show, they're Christians in Rome and they believe that Christ has been resurrected. They don't need Mark to tell them that. So Mark is intentionally leaving this open-ended. In fact, the scholar Ernest Best says uh, in his book, Mark, the Gospel as Story, it is in keeping with other parts of the gospel that Mark should not give an explicit account of a conclusion where this is already well known to his readers. Mark isn't trying to communicate information they already know. He's trying to prove a point. And this is where it all comes together. This cliffhanger ending is designed to draw the reader into the story. It's designed to force us to stop at this moment where the the two Marys and Salome have heard that Christ is resurrected and their responsibility is to go and tell others about it. And the story stops there. We should ask the questions that they would have asked when they read this originally. What am I supposed to do with this Jesus? What am I supposed to do with the message of what happened at the cross and the tomb? How do I respond to the reality that Jesus Christ is no longer dead? He is risen. If I don't accept him in his suffering, will I see him in his glory? These are all of the types of questions that the readers that originally stopped at verse 8 asked. And these are the same questions that we have to ask today. Is Jesus truly alive? And if he is, what does this mean to me? And finally, will I hide in fear? Or will I boldly tell others? The questions we're left with when we read the Gospel of Mark in its original form are questions that we need to be asking ourselves every day. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection should change everything about our lives. And rather than skipping to a more comfortable ending, we should take some time to sit with the uncomfortable questions. What will you do with Jesus? Some Bible nerds really struggle with the idea of Good Friday. After all... Jesus said that the sign proving he was who he claimed to be was that he would spend three days and three nights in the grave. You can't get that from a Friday resurrection, no matter how hard you try. But we'll talk about that tomorrow. that one of the foremost Orthodox Jewish scholars of our day believes that Jesus fits perfectly into the religious expectations of first century Israel. If you don't believe me, read it for yourself. Pick up The Jewish Gospels, The Story of the Jewish Christ by Daniel Boyer-Reen. There's a link for it in the show notes. Make sure you check it out.
If this podcast is an encouragement to you and you want to pay it forward, then please check out the ministry of One Child. It brings hope to hard places by helping children around the world who are facing extreme poverty. One Child's Child Champions bring food, medicine, education, and the gospel to children who wouldn't have it otherwise. And you can make a one-time or a recurring donation, or you can support a child. Uh, Sponsor them yourself for $39 a month. There is a link in the show notes, or you can check out the One Child tab at thebiblenerds.com for more info. The sign of Jonah has less to do with time and everything to do with repentance. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, For now, go read your Bible.